welcome to Out of the Box Radio with me, your host, Christine Blasdale. Out of the Box Radio is a weekly podcast of audible ear candy dedicated to bringing a fresh perspective on this thing that we call life. And each and every week, we're going to be diving into the topics that matter most with lively conversations on issues such as health, wellness, and transformational healing, all with the goal of creating a better world and becoming a happier human being. I will be your tour guide for this epic adventure, and each and every week we're going to be embarking on a journey with the ultimate goal being transformation to our highest potential. And now, let's get out of the box. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Out of the Box with Christine. I'm your host, Christine Blasdale, and oh, I'm so excited about today's show. Um, it's all about money, 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 but not just money. Uh, you know, wealth and abundance can mean a lot of different things. If you have a lot of money and you don't have any time to uh, enjoy it, that sucks. If you have a lot of money and your health is so bad, you really can't enjoy it. Uh, that sucks too. So my guest today is Julie Steelman and oh, I'm so excited. Okay. So uh, Julie earned her way out of the corporate world at the young age of 47 by unlocking the secrets to a new style of feminine earning power. She discovered that all women, yay, possess an internal wisdom she calls feminine financial intelligence. And this is what's, um, I mean, what's so phenomenal about her is that she was able to actually exit that corporate world at the age of 47 because she also, she generated over $100 million in online advertising revenue. Julie is the CEO and founder of the Financial Freedom Institute and is known to her clients as a financial visionary, a wealth coach and selling expert. This is why I had to have her on the show <laughs> because I know how to sell too. And we've got so much to talk about, but welcome to Out of the Box with Christine, Julie. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here and it's such an honor to hang and be in space with you. I met you at the, I met you recently and I just, I love your vibe and your energy and what you're about. And I think you're doing such a cool thing for people. And I love your show and the breadth of topics that you cover because you're not leaving out any areas of life. And that's so refreshing. It's the hardest thing in the world when you have to list on iTunes or now it's Apple podcast, what yeah. your genre is. And I'm right. like, well, it is health and spirituality, and it is self-improvement. It's the Blasdale bucket. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I, I don't know. It's every, I have five planets in Scorpio. It's everything. <laughs> it's reincarnation. It's health. It's wealth. It's everything. There's three things that I've learned as someone who I do a lot of sales, like a lot of sales. Not 100 million, but 18 million, something like that. But that's good. Um, what I've realized is the things that people gravitate towards and need in their life um, more than the latest gadget is health, wealth, and love. Yeah. If you can cover those three, you know, you've, you've, you've got yourself a, a great deal. Um, so, so I, part of out of the box with Christine is allowing my guests and master teachers, and I'm considering you now my new master teacher. Um, I love to find out your journey, how you got to where you are right now. I said, a, I said a little bit yeah. about, uh, you in the corporate world, but why don't you let our listeners know and our viewers, yeah. uh, let them know about how you got started in this crazy world of finance money. Yeah. Well, you know, it started really long time ago when I was a little kid, I was seven years old. And I remember this moment vividly. It was every Sunday night, we would watch Mutual of Omaha's Wild Kingdom. Me and too. Was, you too? Okay, cool. And for our younger audience, Google it, okay? Because you don't know what it is. <laughs> We're totally dating ourselves. <laughs> but it was this really cool show, and it was radical at the time that an insurance company was allowed to a sponsor Mutual of Omaha, allowed to sponsor an entire television show. But what they did was brought us the African Plains to life on our televisions yes. on Sunday night, right? Yes, and so I sat there and that was back in the day. You'll laugh at this, right? When we had the rabbit ears with the tin foil on it, you had to move them. We had three channels. We had three channels and you had to actually get up and physically walk to the TV and switch them. <laughs> yeah. And you had that weird UHF channel that I yeah, and you, was it weird. never did anything. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. My brothers called it ant races, you know, cause it was all just pixels. Yeah. Yeah. 
but I was the youngest. So they made me get up and do it. And anyway, I would sit like <clears throat> arms link away from the television. And here I am this little kid watching videos and leopards and cheetahs and zebras and giraffes and I'm like <gasps> and I was sucked into this other time and space and it was one of those I get these moments when it's like direct instructions from the universe and it came in and I, even as a little kid really clear and it said whatever you do you have to go to Africa before you die and I was like okay who said that and it was like I looked around my family and I was like nobody has a passport they never their zip code. Where'd right? you grow up? I'm like, where were you? <laughs> in Chicago. I always felt like an alien anyway. I'm like, who are freezing. these people? You're in freezing Chicago. <laughs> right? They're like, get me out of here. <laughs> and so, you know, I'm like, the only way I'm going to get to go is if I can control my own destiny. And if I get my own say-so about how my time, my energy, my money, and my resources are used and allocated and that's when it like all clicked into place it's what i call sort of invoking my wild instinct around this idea that i would have to make my own money it was the only way i was going to get to go to africa my parents were never ever 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 going to sign off on that idea <laughs> like this is the neuroticism of a little kid right <laughs> you don't know what it's like to be 30. <laughs> you think that's old anyway right right totally i mean at that point you think you'll be dead when you're 40. You know, yes. and so I was like, that's what happened. And I had a father who didn't treat me any differently than my brothers and was very financially astute. And I, a friend of mine pointed this out to me a, a few months ago. I never, it never clicked in that he was very nurturing and cultivating in that way. And I thought this was normal. And for most women, it's not normal at all. He never said, I'll bail you out. He treated me just like that. And he's like, if you ever buy a house, you ever do this or that? I don't have enough to save you. So be really clear that you can afford it. And so it was very empowering in a way, you know? Yeah. And so that's, you know, went through college and I decided I needed to be in sales because if I was going to go into corporate, which is this radical maverick personality doesn't really belong there. My first two weeks in, I was like, I need to figure out how to earn my way out of here. Cause I can get the hell out of here. Cause I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. And I picked a career in sales because the idea of sitting in a cubicle outside someone's office and they get to decide in December if I get a two to 5% raise or not was like economically yeah. at it. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's what happened. And then I was in sales inside a man's world, inside a man's world. And I found my way. I was like, so this is looking back, right? I'm so committed and focused to this dream. And so eventually, um, I met my husband, we got married, we amplified our resources, we retired, moved to Hawaii and took our first trip to Africa. And I've never stopped going since. Do you live in Hawaii? Not anymore. I just moved back to California. Oh, uh, I love Hawaii. Ago. I lived there for 10 years. Unfortunately, he died very suddenly and unexpectedly. Oh, and so I got sorry. stuck for a little while. Thank you. And it's not a place to be by yourself, especially steeped in so many memories of my life with him. No, and it and, and it is the heart chakra of the planet. So For also, sure. I could just imagine just uh, yeah, feeling him. So much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so then you came. So so you're you're back here, yeah. and 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 this whole because uh, I've seen your photographs too. I've seen the mm. the they're stunning. I mean, you're an amazing photographer. Mutual of Omaha, that guy. What was his right. name? What was his name? Oh, I can't remember. Perkins oh. or something? Perkins. Or... Marlon Perkins. Marlon Perkins would be yes. proud of you, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just, they're beautiful. And, they're, mm -hmm. and there's so much about documenting um, what's going on, too. Yeah. I, I know, I'm sure that the, the poaching and all of that stuff. And yeah. With our, our current president, and, and I'm not being political right now, but also like allowing, uh, you know, these big game hunters and oh. tro trophy hunting and things like that. You've seen these animals up close and the majesty that yes. they possess. Yeah. Um, before, I, before we get into this too, what, what would you say is your, your, let's say your favorite animal that you've seen and witnessed oh, in Africa? That's a hard one. I know, but you got to have a, a couple, a couple of top faves. <laughs> You know, I'm kind of an apex predator girl. I kind of, I really love the big cats. Yeah. And 
I love, I think I'd love the, the leopards have a big place in my heart because they're so elusive, difficult to find. Um, but you know, then you're sitting in front of a lion pride and this, this animal, that's just like, kind of like, I know I'm at the top of the food chain. I don't really need to hide. I don't really care what you think. This is my terrain, you know, that, that swagger that they have is so fascinating, but I really, my heart, I really love the big cats. So, so then, um, so you've created the Financial Freedom Institute. Yeah. And I know you've also written a, a I forgot to mention that you wrote a highly praised book, uh, The Effortless Yes. Yes. Um, so, so, so let's talk about like, like this whole idea too about empowering women around money. Yeah. Um, I guess you kind of set it off in the beginning with when you said your father was already expecting, um, you know, yeah. What was, what was expected of you as a young girl growing up set you up for your, your life? It, and it, what we expect, a lot of times what families, uh, parents expect of their little girls is, first of all, they give them a doll to take care of, right? They give them right. a baby immediately. Right. And this is what you're going to do, and you're going to wear pink, um, and you're going to be pretty because that's how you're going to, you know, that's how you're going to land the, you know, the attorney or doctor. Um, let's talk about that, the mindset that we, that we have around yeah. girls and especially around money. You know, I think it's a, I think it's big and I think it's complex and I think it go. I think it starts with, um, you know, back in the day of, we can talk about, there's evidence about Mary Magdalene and, and I'm just going to talk a little spirituality here for a minute. Go back to the days of Mary Magdalene and the big denial of her as a woman and her as had the belief is that she was anointing um, Jesus in, you know, a very high level ceremony. And then here comes the Pope and says, oh, no, 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 no. She was a prostitute and was washing his feet. She was a whore. She's a whore. And so there's this whole idea of this disempowerment of the value of the feminine. Right. Yeah. Just even in a, a global kind of and it, I don't want to get into a big papist argument or any of that kind of stuff and act like I know anything about high religion and orthodoxes. I don't. But what I know is that there was a seed planted a very long time ago. And I think there's this ongoing idea about the feminine and not its ability to not rise up to its fullness, not to be of equal value. Um, years ago, there was a guy who wrote a book called If Women Mattered, which said that the women's value in the United States was not included in the gross national product. So there's this already undertone of belief that we're, is almost so invisible. We don't pay attention to, when I was talking to you earlier, I was saying, I kind of think it's in our DNA. I think one of the biggest ways to suppress the feminine from rising into full expression, into full power is to try to control them financially, is to try to say that your value is less. And this is an area that we think that you should, you should be disempowered in. And I don't know that it was quite that strategic, but this is where we are. Well, and, and women uh, were and still are around the globe property. Exactly. You know, I mean, they, yeah. when, when uh, I mean, arranged marriages, you know, girls being uh, sold off in marriage and, yeah. and their dowry, whatever that they, you know, if it was a cow or something like that, that right. had more value. The cow had more value than the, than yeah, the you girl. Got married to get the dowry. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, and you mentioned, and, and it's, uh, you mentioned that it's in our DNA. I mean, obviously like, like young people who are growing up now, they may say, well, I don't know what you're, you know, Julie, you know, now we have so many opportunities. Yeah. We've, we've got college and we, you know, yeah. all things, uh, we're breaking the glass ceiling, but if it's in our DNA, if it's not only, um, our, our mother's experience around money, yeah. uh, our grandparents experience around money, the great depression, uh, how women were told go in the kitchen, right? Be in the kitchen. Yeah. That's it. Um, but then also our own past lives. If you do believe in reincarnation, which I do, and I'm sure yeah, you, do. I do too. Um, in your, in past lives, um, especially if you're a woman, it, it could have been that, uh, you were not financially, um, set and it, the world revolved around, you just needed to secure your safety of you and your children. And yeah. so maybe you married somebody that was, you know, yeah. not, not the nicest guy, but he was, you know, security. <laughs> it was a you know? Roof. Yeah. It was, they did it for a roof. 
So that's all inside of us when we go out into the world and we're not even aware of it. Yeah. Well, I think there's this, the reason I say that is, is because I feel like we're in a time when there's so much chaos because so many structures are falling apart. So it's kind of a good time, right? There's this eye of the needle. We have this opportunity to go through, but I think each one of us that's down on earth are carrying a piece of collective consciousness. And so it's more what I mean by in your DNA than like if I were to extract your cells medically and look and go, oh yeah, she has a money block in her DNA. But I mean, we're all carrying, if it's happening in our family, in our world, in our lifetime, then we're somehow a part of that, right? Because we are one. Because we're one, exactly. And so there's this, we don't really know what we mean by oneness or unconditionality. We have glimpses and moments of it and ideas about it, but, but it's very difficult in the human experience to actually spend time there. But I believe that with reincarnation and things, we're all down here to work something out. And I think that this is one of the big things, especially for women and those that orient around the feminine um, and even entrepreneurism, whether you're a male or a female, there's stuff that you've got to work out around wealth, money, and prosperity. And there's these old ideas, especially in the United States and around the world, each societal system has something that they're imposing upon everybody that's in that system. And there's no way it's not in your consciousness if you're alive. Right. If you're, if you're cognizant of anything, exactly. Right. Then you have religion. Yeah, which the dogma of religion for centuries, and and we see Again, those all about impression those falling apart too. We right. We, well, <laughs> that's all predicated on the idea that if you want to get to God, you got to go through me. And I'm like, you got to yeah, pay me. You actually ain't the cleanest conduit I've ever seen. Yeah, and you got to pay me. <laughs> right. Yeah, and yeah. then here's the dish. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And you're born in sin, by the way. Oh, that one. Don't even get me started on that one. <laughs> My brother and I used to sign into church as Frank Zappa and Janice Joplin because we were like, <laughs> that whole assumption that um, you're forever a sinner and there's no forgiveness around that is completely the antithesis of what I understand divine love to be. Exactly. I re- I remember in uh I went okay. So I grew up in kind of a, a really rough neighborhood. So I my Where parents. Did you grow up? I grew up in Pacoima, Arlita. Yeah. 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 So, <laughs> and there was a lot of gangs and stuff. And so my parents were like, "Oh my God, little Christine, blonde-haired, blue-eyed Christine, we can't send her to public school because she'll die." Right. So, <laughs> so, wow. so the only uh, private school that we could afford. And that was in the the area was a um, a Baptist school. Now, there's there's oh, different kinds of Baptist schools, right? Yeah, the one I, I went two to. Two years at one myself. I okay. <laughs> so um, it, it got it was so bad that you know you know and as children we're we're expressive we're happy we're we don't have a mortgage we're like yay. Um, and I remember like, like bopping down the hallway, just kind of like, do to do, you know, singing that song in your head. It's not a real song, but you're just like, do to do. And a, a hand came out of a doorway and grabbed me by the back of the neck. And this teacher looked at me and she said, you're dancing. And dancing is the devil's tool. <laughs> and I was like, the devil had nothing to do with that. It was just my beautiful dance moves. Like I was like, then, wow. and this is relating to what we put on uh, little girls. We yeah. had to have chapel every day. Okay. Yeah. Um, and in chapel, I remember this uh, preacher man and all the students were there. And the little, the, the younger you were, you had to sit up closer, right? And we were little. And I remember sitting in the front pews. <laughs> and he was basically doing the sermon about um, women need to st- stay in their roles. And, and sometimes if the husband, he comes home tired from work. And if he basically the summer, the summary was something like if he hits you or if he gets, you know, uh, upset at you, basically just take it. Cause that's your role. And I'm sitting in the front row, like six. And I was like, no, 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 that's not what Jesus would say. <laughs> no. 
And I divorced myself from, I still had to go to the school, but I divorced myself from all of that because I said, that is wrong. It's so damaging. But imagine that's being told to to little girls. You just take it. You just take it. And I think that stuff, it gets diffused, but the energetic of that is still in our society. Yes. Yes. And it's a, it's a form of, and I don't mean any offense to any ethnic communities. It's another form of racism, if you will. Yes. Right. Yes. And there isn't the gender equality. And it's like, the one thing I got to say to every woman listening, if you're in a corporate job and you don't do your research about what men get paid for the same role and you aren't standing up for it, you are colluding with the pay gap. Mm. Say that again. Say that again, sister. Okay. I'm, a, I'm okay. I'm sorry. I'm going to piss a few people off. Go ahead. Preach but it. <laughs> we have a pay gap because women continue to agree with this disparity. Instead of standing up for what's real and what's true and what's right and positioning yourself as women are the great multitaskers, not men. Aren't we? Yeah. And so, you know, having a really dynamic conversation with an HR department or when you're asking for a raise or, you know, when you're going in and talking about how we're going to get rid of the pay gap is that you bring me up to the level this job pays at. And it should be about the work that gets done, not the sex of the person who has the job. Exactly. Exactly. And so as long as we continue to buy off on, I'm worried about I'll lose the job if I try to negotiate for the right price, we collude with the, le- the lesser value. Correct. And Correct. then we continue to keep ourselves in that position. And so we have to take a stand. We have to be willing to maybe lose the job, but go find a place that will pay you what you deserve. In your role as a, a wealth coach, yes, I, I would love to, um, to let our listeners know um, what you do with clients um, and what type of clients that you have, you don't have to name anybody, but like yeah. what, what type of clients who goes to Julie Steelman and says, yeah. I need to work with you. You know, the, it's, it's a classic, it's very smart, conscious, caring, entrepreneurial women who don't want to work for anybody else. They're, these are women who I think are real pioneers. They're actually bringing in new blueprints of consciousness. They're very consciousness oriented Then, like you really focused on wellness and transformation so that we can all have a better life and the planet can be the place that we yearn to live in, you know, and they, a lot of them are six and seven figure earners, but they're not keeping very much of what they make. Ah, right. And so there's a consciousness shift there, but there's also a shift in Um, a practicality about how you run your business. And I noticed that a lot of pricing is not oriented around prosperity. That deserves to be um, expanded on because uh, I've had this conversation too with some clients. I I do some coaching as well and they're so worried and there's that pay gap thing, right? They're, they're so worried about, they're like, well, you know, I don't want to ask for too much because if I ask for too much, then I won't get any clients they'll and go I, away. Or they'll go away. So at least I'll have a few clients if I lower my, my prices. And, and what I'm saying, yeah, what I, what I tell them is that it needs to be based also on what you're, what you're giving and your energy and your time. It's worth the money. It's worth the money that you should be charging because this is your expertise, whatever it is. Yeah. It's what you're, it's what you're expert at. And the more we just say, you know, slash the prices, Oh, we're on sale today. Then you're, you know, you're always going to be doing that. Yeah. You know, the only business in the world that is successful at selling payments is car sales. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. And so, and they, and when they brought in leasing instead of buying, they changed the whole model. So now it's about, it's now it's about getting you the right payment. It's not even about the right car. Like people are by driving cars that are hundred thousand dollar cars, but the payment works. Right. Right. So when we're, this is where we bring in this whole idea of 
It's in our DNA. It's in society. It's in the ethers of if you're a woman, there's already a sense of eroded value. There's already a sense of underestimating true value. And, and I think we can take all the confidence classes in the world, but I think what we really need to do is think about what I call our quantum contribution. And so how does my contribution actually impact and enhance my clients' lives? Once I understand that, I stop questioning my value, right? Oh, and yeah. it, becomes less, it becomes less about do I value myself because then that's very self-focused. And the, we, we have so much work to do there. We, you kind of never totally win at that game. You make progress. But if you're in business for yourself or as an entrepreneur, it's really about taking a stand. I call it advocating for possibility, taking a stand for the possibility that your client can have if they were to work with you. Your job is for them to, to your job is to communicate. If you knew, if they knew what you knew, then they would say yes. Mm -hmm. And they mm -hmm. would find the resources to do it. Correct. Right? It's not about the money at all, ever. Because I think that you can charge what you can sell. And so if you only believe that you can sell 100 bucks an hour, then that's what you'll sell. I know someone who gets $10,000 an hour. I know it's someone else who gets a million dollars an hour because he doesn't want to work. He was one of the inventors of the Intel chip. He retired years ago. He's worth a fortune. But he has people come to him because he has one of these uncanny business senses. And so, you know, really top of the food chain, C-suite executives go, I, I want to work with you. Here's four million bucks. I'll talk to you once a quarter. You know, wow. so, right, right, right. But he's right. unapologetic about. I'm he not doesn't want to work. That's what an hour of my time is worth, or I'm not doing it. That's the Elizabeth Taylor story, right? Um, remember but, for um, for Cleopatra, she didn't want to do Cleopatra. You can't imagine. It. You can't imagine Cleopatra without you know Elizabeth Taylor. Elizabeth Taylor. But they were like, we really need you. What What do you want? What do you want? And she, I think she had she had asked some ex like a stupid amount of money for uh, an actress at that time because all the male again all the, all the male <laughs> leads were getting the top yeah. money, and I think she asked for like a million dollars or something like you know yeah. just pulled it out of her hat and she'd said I want to have the chili from Chasen's delivered to the set every day you know she had a writer that was like this long, and they said okay. And she went, oh, shit. <laughs> I should ask for more. That was too easy. <laughs> they accepted it. And, you know, yeah. and then Cleopatra was, was Cleopatra. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's what, it's what we think we're, what we, what we think we're worth, what we know we're worth. Yeah. And, and I, I think the biggest challenge that women have in business, entrepreneurship, either, either if they're working for a company or if they're um, if they have their own business is communicating. Yeah. Because you can have a high ticket item or you can say, I'm, you know, I'm $300 an hour for this uh, to, to be a coach or whatever, but it's communicating why somebody yeah. should pay you to talk. Yeah. And let's, let's be honest. There's a lot of people in the game now. Yeah. There's a lot of people in the game. Yeah. So how do people stand or how do you, how do you talk to your clients about standing out and that message, that communication? Yeah. This is really where you start to get into the beginning of what I call the sales continuum. Right. And I just want to say one other thing about the pricing before answering your sure. question yeah. is there's the, the practical, we've been talking about the inner game of pricing. And so the practical piece of pricing is that women tend to be really focused on how do I solve my financial hot potato right now? So there's this horizon effect, right? Gotcha. So it's like, okay, my kid needs to go to school and the tuition's $20,000 and my deadbeat ex-husband isn't going to pay it. So all of a sudden I have a hot potato. What am I going to do? Uh-oh, I have to go make $20,000. And so they get really focused on just the $20,000 and they put all this energy and effort into that, right? But they never take into account that, there's all these other things that you need too, right? Yeah. And so yes. it's like one rule of thumb that I would give people right away as a tip is like, if you get something that's a financial urgency or financial hot potato, double it. So if you need $20,000 to send your kid to private school because somebody's going to default on the payment, then put your energy towards making 40,000 because gotcha. it takes as much energy to make 40 as it does 20. And then you get to keep something. And that's a right. falsity because that's, I mean, people, that's a false uh, mindset where people think that they have to totally. work harder. 
Yeah, yeah. I got to put more yeah. hours in. I got to, yeah. I got to really stay at the office late and all of no. that. Right. I think money has money, wealth, prosperity has a lot to do with intentionality and has a lot to do. It's really steeped in co-creativity. My ability to create financial freedom was intentional. It was a little kid who wanted to go to Africa. It gave me this body of work. I never knew that would be part of the payoff, right? right. And I went on this journey. And the biggest secret I can tell you from that journey from a seven-year-old to 58 today is that it's become a one-to-one -one co creative empowered, co highly empowered, intentional co-creative relationship. I get to ask. I don't get to demand, but I get to ask. And then I get led. And so women don't really understand their value in terms of their ability to co-create in that way. And so they love to talk about flow and they hate to talk about money, right? But this is one of the things that comes into it is like, you know what? I need $20,000 for my kid to go to school, but for me to be in a state of well-being, I need $40,000. So yes. let me put my creative energy towards that because it's in effect, not a different problem. 40,000 isn't a different problem than $20,000. And so what I wanted to, you know, make the point of is that when people are looking at their business or their incomes, they don't have an eye towards building wealth. They don't have an eye towards the future and creating a radiant financial future. And so our energy systems are really stressed out because there isn't any sense of I'm being taken care of in the future. It's all about right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, oh, phew, I got a paycheck. Oh, phew, I got a paycheck. And then we stay in that cycle and it's really draining and exhausting and it costs us our creative life force. I know just in general, and this applies to, this applies to men and women. Yeah. We have, you know, money is the root of all evil. Uh, <laughs> I know. Okay. I'm going to on that one. Let's what? transform that one right now. Okay. Money is the root of all evolution. Money is the root of all evolution. Yeah. Because you can do so much with it. That's right. And it doesn't have to be self-centered. It can be, That's you, can, right. you can help the community. You can you That's know, right. donate it. How about your well-being is intact and you yeah. can give from the overflow now? Yes. That's a different way to live. Exactly. So what, so with, with, with your clients, what would be like, let's say a, uh, a typical a typical session. I know everybody's different because I know you have clients yeah. that they span the, you know, but if somebody says to you, okay, Julie, I'm tired of living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Um, I'm starting my, my new business, my con consulting business or coaching business. And I want to be successful and especially around money, around uh, pricing, uh, around investing, whatever, you know, in my, in my business where do you start with them? Where do you begin with yeah. them? Well, I kind of do reverse engineering. So this is where we get into the visionary part of it is I think that people that hold that as a question actually are really visionaries and there's something that's really calling them. And so there's a bigger, bold goal and vision. And so what is that? What does that look like and how would it feel to be there? And then we reverse engineer into what's, I think everybody's carrying a medicine and a magic that somehow helps other people. Mm -hmm. And so you were asked the question earlier, like, how do you language that? How do you, how do you communicate that to clients so they can yes. resonate with it and see themselves in your offer? So they go, Oh yeah, that's the right thing. It's like, it comes, it comes I think it comes from reverse engineering from your vision because you need to know why you're being called into something. And then you need to know really deeply how what you do translates into a before and an after. And so the advanced move in that is really being able to say they came in with this belief and they left with it shifted in this way, or they came in with this problem and here's what we needed to do to resolve it. And you get really clear about those things. And when you find people that are really successful, especially with the internet marketing, and there's a lot of players in the field, and there's a lot of stuff being flung around out there, yeah. this is what cuts through. Because, because people looking for it start to go, oh my God, she said what I was thinking. Right. And, and that's, that's how you do that. I love that. I love that idea of reverse engine engineering it. Um, and that gives you the longevity too, when you have that mission yeah. or that goal. Um, I, 
I had heard it, and I forget who did the who uh, the quote could be attributed to. So I apologize to you, whoever. <laughs> um, but it was something along the lines of, people don't buy products or services; they buy you. Yeah. And I I think with especially with women entrepreneurs, that that's an area that hasn't been fully tapped. No. And it needs to be. Yeah. Because, you know, because what we are is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we are it's totally amazing. And it's like this idea of reverse engineering, what's so genius about it is, is it gets you focused on the goal and vision and what you're of service to, the possibility. And all of a sudden your attention isn't on am I value, am I worthy? Your attention's on the service. Your attention's on the possibility you want to create for people. And Ulster says something along the lines of clarity sells and energy closes something. I forget what his exact words are, but something along the lines of it's like uh, when we presence our energy along with having the right languaging of things, that's the magic formula. The effortless. Yes. That's a a, a book you've written. And I would love for you to share what you, what you can. Of course, people need to get her book, the effortless. Yes. (laughs) Yes. but we're not going to give you the whole book in a conversation, but right. we're going to just tap into that. Um, so you have some great tips, uh, tricks, tips, tricks, secrets for making selling um, easy. Yeah. And do you, can you share like yeah. one or two of those little tidbits? Yeah, I think um, one of the first things I would say to everybody listening who thinks that they can't sell, if you've ever convinced someone else to go to your favorite restaurant or go to a movie you wanted to see, you can sell. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Right? Yeah. (laughs) So let's just get that out of the way. Yeah. You know, in the book, they're selling archetypes. And so we all have our own resonant energy system. We have our own ways that we communicate. And so when you figure out what your communication style is, you can craft in the corporate world will be called the clothes. Um, you craft that into an invitation that's really conversational. So if you're an introvert, there's a way for introverts to say things. Right. And Correct. so it's loaded with scripts, depending on what your archetype is, and you can kind of make it your own. But what I, the tip that I would give people is that if you re- don't try to make yourself be something you're not and try to become like the rock star salesperson, yeah. it's really about why you care and communicating that to people and holding space for them to be able to make their decision. The biggest tip I can give you is when someone's making a decision about working with you is that you hold space for the possibility and you don't go on their ride of yes, no, deciding up and down. And you take every one of their little blips while they're making a decision personally, because Mm -hmm. you're going to amplify their indecision. You have to hold space for what's possible and let them, your job is to be there when they need help navigating the decision-making process. That's really what sales and selling is all about is being a loving force to the book was originally titled the soul principle of selling soul being serving others with undeniable loving, which means you're holding space while they make a decision, but you don't buy off on any of their indecision. Correct. Kill it right there. I love that. Does that make sense? Was that clear enough? Yes. This is a good book. I want to get this book. (laughs) Effortless. Yes. Well, because it helps me because I have, I have many jobs, right? I I do many. Yeah. You've got your hands involved in all aspects of like enrolling and selling and fundraising and fundraising is even more a delicate balance. Yes. And, and um, well, the first thing is, is that, and uh, what I love about the work you do, it's all about integrity. Um, I don't offer anything if it's my own services as a coach or consultant uh, or if it's in a fund drive as a, with a product or, you know, a, you know, a, a healthy drink or a, a, a seminar or whatever. I don't sell or offer anything unless I truly believe in it. And I know that it is good and it's going to help people. I, I don't do it. I like to do the win, 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 um, scenario, right? I want it so that my, the listeners or my, um, the viewers, they win my guest. Who's, uh, who has a product or a service that I'm bringing to the public. They win. 
um, and I win because I'm able to raise a lot of money for a nonprofit or I win because I'm able to land a client uh, and work with them. And it's not about the money that I get with my clients. It's about the process and yeah. seeing them go from this little chickadee, you know, <laughs> and, and, and just give and, and guiding them and just saying, you know, encouraging them. It's like being a teacher, right? You don't go to a student who's got horrible handwriting and go, that's crap. You'll never amount to anything, right? You know, you, you, <laughs> you guide them, but it's integrity. And yeah. so that's like some of the, the, the things as far as that's worked for, for me is always having my integrity intact. Yeah. So five years from now, somebody can come up to me and say, I'm so glad that I uh, pledged during the fun drive, Christine, because what you, what you offered changed my life. Oh my gosh. That to me is, is, is financial re it's reward as well. Not financial, but it's, it's a reward as well. Yeah. One thing that I can't stand and I, and I've seen this with, uh, motivational, not motivational, but speakers, right? They go to, um, to an event and they have the, you know, they, ha and they have a great speech. They got a great story. They have a great arc and you know that it's coming, you know, the pitch is coming and, and we all know the pitch is coming. It's like after a good meal, you know, the bill's coming, Yeah. you know, it's going to come and you're like, okay, let's just see what the sticker shock is on this. Right. But what I don't like is when uh, when people have this this thing of if you don't do this offer, if you don't take this offer, mm. your your life is gonna suck. You'll never amount to anything. It's like a threat. It's almost or like you know, it it it's this thing of holding you hostage. And fear based. It's fear based selling. It's fear based selling, and I don't like fear based selling at all. No, at because when, there, once the hook is set in that model, once the hook is set, you'll never get out of it. No. Because you'll do that and then they'll make you feel worse and then they'll sell you something more expensive and on and on and on. I know uh, years ago there was a, a, co a male coach, I won't mention any names, and this was the methodology and the language was very steeped in spirituality. Oh, and there's a couple of his graduates that <clears throat> lawsuits against them. And I had many people coming to me. It was all of a sudden this flurry. I knew who he was and I'd sat through a workshop and I was like, Oh yeah, no. As soon as you told somebody to divorce their husband so that you could get access to the IRA to afford to pay him for a coaching Oh, program, gee. Oh yeah. No. And a lot of his clients were women, unfortunately. But then when like it all started to fall apart, a lot of them came to me and it was like, I was like, I couldn't in good conscience charge them. They were broken spirits. And I'm like, this, this is what we can't do. We like if yes. as as we built this is almost taking us first full circle in our conversation here. It's like as women, this is what we can't do is tolerate or take a stand or or, or stamp buy into things that would have us continue to be small, that would have us continue to give our power away. And yeah. if we're going to buy stuff, support stuff financially, a program, a course, a coach or whatever, or a business model or whatever, it's gotta, it's gotta be something that gives us our power and access to our power so that we can take that and rise up. Yes. Anything fear-based, anything that makes you feel small or stupid or like the thing you got to watch in the room is the whole group mentality, right? It's like mm -hmm. all of a sudden you've got that salesperson on the stage and they drop the bomb. Oh, and if you go do it right now and everybody's like, they will knock you down to get to the back of the room to sign up for something. I'd be really cautious about that. I always am. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, yeah, let me sit back and watch this. Because at the end of the day, if you go to them tomorrow and you go, you know, I just wasn't sure and I'll give you $1,000 tomorrow, but I wouldn't give it to you today. Do you think they'll take your $1,000? Probably. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and listen to your intuition, too. I, I, I had somebody contact me. Uh, it wasn't even the person. It was their assistant or something. And, um, oh, you've got to have this person on during, you know, during the fun drive, your listeners. Um, 
they, they speak to thousands of people and they've helped thousands of people become entrepreneurs, blah, 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 blah. <clears throat> and I, and I just, for some reason, I got a, I got a funny feeling. And remember, <clears throat> every show that I do, I have to have integrity and it's like my baby. Like I'm like, I'm trusting my guest to have, uh, to have a real, uh, value product or seminar or it's the same thing with the podcast show I'm bringing I'm telling people it's got the Christine Blasdale stamp of approval so you can trust this source and I just got like a icky feeling about this person and I went on the internets and I just googled the name and all these scam, you know, the word scam. Uh, wow. Uh, this person took They're us like, tens of thousands of dollars. <laughs> We're broke, wow. you know. And I was like, well, I dodged that bullet. There's no yeah. way. No way. I think what, you know, especially when someone approaches you like that, it, I, I, my rule of thumb is I look for someone who's proposing absolutes. Mm-hmm. And so as soon as it's like a should or a would, because people can be really gifted at taking you on a ride and, you know, in the entertainment industry, right? Movies are all developed around an arc and taking you on this emotional ride and leaving you in, with an, some sort of impression or feeling tone. Yes. And, you know, speaking is all designed to do that as well to some degree. But it's like it, my rule of thumb is as soon as I feel a sense of being imposed upon or told or, or it feels like they're acting like they know something more than me or um, that they're, it's the absolute, the best, the only one, gotta, shoulda, coulda, woulda. That's what my flags all start going up. I'm like you, I'm a Scorpio. I've got all those signs in my, my Scorpion too, right? And so our, our the hair starts to go bing, 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 you yeah, know. <laughs> yeah, you're like, nope, don't nope. Think so. <laughs> Yeah, it's trusting that intuition. And that's that's something that I, I really, I encourage a lot of women to do is yeah. to, to trust that little voice that you hear when it comes to these things, because it, it can. And, I, you know, I, I've, I've, I've known people that have spent thousands and thousands of dollars on on programs and uh courses and they 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 later on regret it because they didn't listen to that inner voice yeah you know they didn't get to that chance to that opportunity to listen to that little voice i think inside. that's our job number one to get back our own power in relationship to our own value mm, mm-hmm. it's like it's really it's really what i call a piece of financial sovereignty and sometimes you have to go against what may be popular or what society says you should do or what your family thinks you should do or the environments that you were raised in and unapologetically and lovingly take a stand for what's right for you. Mm. Amen. A <laughs> woman. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> Uh, what would you say? We have we have a few more minutes left, yeah. and um, I just wanted to to ask, what would you say are um, with some of with some of the people that you've worked with the biggest jumps or those aha moments that yeah. clients have experienced while working with you? I love those aha moments. Yeah, me too. I think one of the biggest and one of the common the ones that across the board seem to land almost with every single one that I've worked with we were talking about it a little bit earlier is this idea of uh, you have a business or your own personal life and a financial challenge shows up and you get really focused on just that financial challenge, like the $20,000. This was actually a real story of a client of mine. She'd gotten divorced. Her husband was going to default on his, um, the payment for private school. She had a gifted daughter that was in the school. She wasn't going to take her daughter out of it. And she had 60 days to come up with the 20 grand or the kid was, or her daughter was going to get not, was going to be removed from the school and have to go to public school. And so she was like, what do I do? 60 days. Yeah. 60 days because he, the husband always paid it, but then he wasn't going to pay it, but he wasn't admitting he wasn't going to pay it, but she figured out he wasn't going to pay it. Right. Right. So now all of a sudden it's her financial hot potato. It's urgency. She called me and I went over and I sat down with her and she said, here's this program. I think I can make $20,000 off it. And I go, well, there's a problem. 
And she's what? This is perfect. And I said, well, the problem is, is that you're focused on what I call transactional thinking, which is only on the $20,000. So you're going to put all this energy into that. And then let's say the program flies, you make your $20,000, it comes to your bank account and you turn around and write the check to the school. You did all this work and you're left with nothing. So right. transactional thing, it's like a credit card, right? I only think about that one thing. I don't think about the whole thing. And so we started talking. And so this idea of transactional thinking, this horizon effect of only focusing on what's my financial urgency right now and trying to resolve just that problem without adding more money into it, without an eye towards building wealth an eye towards keeping some of what you make every single time, especially as entrepreneurs, right? Correct. You know, we have six and seven figure entrepreneurs that aren't keeping it. Correct. They have great cash flow, but they aren't keeping it. And so lifestyle is like four figure. Mm -hmm. Business, seven figure. That's a gap. That's a problem. And so this idea of only focusing on the financial need or only focusing on, well, I got to get this program out and I want as many people in it as possible. And so I'd rather make it easy. So I'm going to put a low price on it instead of put a little energy into enrolling people at the commitment they probably should be making that would be more in alignment with the energy that you're giving. You're right. creating your own burnout cycle financially and energetically doing it that way. Correct. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. No, okay. it, it does. So how did she resolve it? So how she resolved it is we started talking and all of a sudden she went, oh my God, there's this program that people have been wanting about a journey to getting in engaged and I haven't been putting it out there because they didn't know what to do. And so we sat the afternoon and we, we developed that program for her and then she being who she is, she launched it the next week. She ended up making $75,000. Ah. So she paid the school and then she's also been wanting to take her girls on vacation, which she hadn't done in three years. So she took them on a little vacation. She paid down a loan and she put a lump in savings. And I'm like, and she goes, oh my God, you changed my business forever. And we still talk and she still emails me that that was the one single shift of going from 250,000 to over seven figures. Wow. That was huge. And yeah. And also because also because you actually worked with her on developing it too. You didn't yeah. just say you need to think, you know, because that's the other thing no. too. Is, no, that's no, people go, right. you need that's to think big and can be, right? Like, yeah. oh, let's double your number. And it's like, well, yeah. And then lean into the creativity about yeah. and that I, would resolve that number. Let's work this. Yeah. What you really want to do is take your kids on vacation and you want to pay down a loan and you want to put some in savings. So when we came up with that number, it was 60,000. And then you actually worked with her to foot through the program. Right. Which, ah, oh, I love that. You didn't just sit up on a mountaintop and go think bigger. No, <laughs> go do it. <laughs> See, That's when we get this idea of intentional and co-creativity if I think in $20,000 as my big financial challenge, the creativity I'm going to come up to resolve that is a $20,000 solution. I love the way you work because you actually, you think along the lines that I do. Well, cause you're Scorpio too. Um, because you're also very, you're creative. You, you have that again, not just a teacher saying, do this, do that. You have that collaborative, let's create something together because you get you get your hands in it as well yeah. and instead of and I know it's all also based on your time your time you know you have only yeah. so much of you to spread around but when we're able to do that for our clients for our our coaching clients yeah. or our cons consulting clients when we're actually able to get our hands in and say this is going to make you shine this is a easier way to bring in the the money um that is so that is so much more valuable. Yeah. Then just the term you know. financial visionary came about was because I've studied money my whole life, the whole spectrum of it from earning it to selling, to keeping it, to building wealth, to retiring. It's, Oh, it's been my body of work. And so when people come to me, it's like, I can actually see the through line for them. And I don't know why I'm gifted with that. Maybe because I've spent so many years steeped in it, but I think it's also, I think it's a gift that I have. It's because you're Scorpio. Scorpio. And, right? But, we, uh, we see shit. We see shit. 
we see it. People see dead people. I see money. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But you know, I can, as a salesperson, all of a sudden it starts to really make sense about what someone's bringing to the table and how to get, we can always set our goal to be three feet, but we could set our goal to be a mile too. Right? Yes. Yes. Well, you have that. You go at a mile, you start resolving the mile. You stop resolving three feet. You have that beautiful gift of, of seeing the long term where, whereas I, uh, one reason why I started up, I have a, a little side business, my idea coach. And it's just basically because I, I come up with idea, ideas. If I'm talking to somebody yeah, in a grocery a- store, uh, there's an idea coming into in me about how they can make money or, uh, you know, yeah. you need to write a book. No, you don't need to write a book. You need to actually make this into a script for a movie. And I have, yeah. and I see the title and with products too. I do product development with people and it's so fun because I already see the product. I, they'll tell me the net, they go, Oh, it's going to be called this. And I'm like, no, no, it's not going to sell anything. You need to call it this. Yeah. Um, but the- <laughs> that. that's a gift. That really, that's a gift because we it, get myopic about our own work. And it's fun. But that's the thing. It's that's where if you're passionate about it and it's fun, it's not work, right? That's right. It's like it's like uh, coloring. You know, it's like creating right. something. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, I want to work with you. I want to do something with you, Julie Steelman. Scorpio. I have a feeling that this is going to, we're going to, I'm launching a podcast and you're coming on mine, but we're going to be, we're, we're, we're like, we're bonded now, sister. Oh yeah. No, we're creating something beyond a podcast, honey. (laughs) Yeah. We're creating something with my, with you and me, uh, selling techniques and uh, ideas. Yeah. Okay. Million dollar idea right there. I like it. Yeah. Let's go for the eight figures. Okay. That we could be on, I know it's other people's podcasts. That focus <laughs> exactly. on that. <laughs> um, any, any last, anything that you want to leave our, our wonderful listeners and viewers with? We'll make sure that we're going to give out the website. You've got to yeah. contact Julie if you're, uh, if you at all are intrigued by this yeah, conversation. But anything you want to leave our listeners with? You know, I just, I really want to, I want to leave you with that I know if you were to tell yourself the truth, that you have a deep dream that has a financial vision piece in it. And if you were to allow yourself to really listen to what that is and open up to that, it would be a game changer because your energy system will orient around bringing that into reality. Mm. And when we take possibility and we start to make it probable and profitable and profitable, (laughs) the probable profitable, the three P's. (laughs) Uh, My wonderful guest, uh, this, this program has been Julie Steelman. Again, she's a financial visionary wealth coach and selling expert. She is the author of the book, The Effortless Yes, You Need to Get It on Amazon. And for more information, uh, folks can go to juliesteelman.com. I'm going to spell that for you. Well, Julie, J-U-L-I-E, Steelman, S-T-E-E-L-M-A-N.com. Please do check her out. And you're on, you're on all the Facebooks and the Instagrams. Yeah, I, I have all my own um, names, so I'm easy to find. And on my website, there is a the Blooming Rose Money Quiz. So you can take a quick quiz and find out where you are in relationship to financial freedom. Awesome. I'll, I'll do that. I'll do that right it's after fun. this. Okay. <laughs> Thank you again, Julie, so much. Thank you. This was such a pleasure. And uh, I would love to have you on again. We can tackle whatever. Well, we're going to have a lot of ideas. We're We're going to have a lot of ideas. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Get ready, folks. Get ready, world. We're coming at you. (laughs) Um, Thanks again so much, uh, Julie. And I want to thank you, wonderful listeners and viewers um, of the podcast show. You can... Please, actually, if you if you love what you're hearing, share this on social media. Share the YouTube video. That's the best way. It's easy. You can like and subscribe, all that good stuff. If you want more information about the podcast show, go to outoftheboxwithchristine.com. And if you want more information about me and some of the work that I do, the coaching and consulting and all that good stuff, you can go to christineblasdale.com. Until next time, I want to thank you so much again. And I want to remind you to always to think outside of that damn box. Bye for now.